You're listening to the Hybrid Cloud Forecast Series with host Andre Tost. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Hybrid Cloud Forecast. The topic of today is transforming towards the hybrid cloud. And I'm very pleased to welcome Mike Williams to this call. Hi, Mike. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Andre, and thanks for thanks for having me today. Very interesting topic indeed. All right. So everyone, Mike will Mike Mike is a is a fellow, of course, like every guest on this show in IBM. So and we, as usual, we'll start out with doing a bit of introduction. So Mike, if you could tell us what your job is, what you do for a living, how it relates to hybrid cloud, and how you got there, a bit of background, maybe. Sure. So I'm one of the select few that have been honored with the title of IBM Fellow. I currently work within our IBM Services Business Unit as part of our offerings and CTO organization. And in this case, actually, what I'm, I'm really focused on is driving the transformation of the services we deliver, the services we build in support of our clients' you know, journey to the hybrid cloud. This is actually something that's building on a pretty extensive experience I've had, the majority of which I've had within IBM in different roles. So I, I've been part of our systems organization, our software teams, and our services teams, you know, really having a broad perspective on building technology and applying technology and solving customer problems. But a big part of what got me really into this hybrid space in general, I think is, is some of the work that I had been doing in, in our IBM systems group. And that is specifically in our, our system software team, where I was actually focused on building platform and systems management across hybrid systems, right? So so in this case, you know, the target was a little different, but but many of the problems to be solved were similar. And in fact, a, a pretty significant part of that was how we were actually leveraging abstractions, you know, provided by virtualization as a way to to optimize and and manage systems in a unique way, taking advantage of, you know, some of this decoupling that virtualization offers. And I kind of emphasize this as as an abstraction layer in the sense that we are seeing increasing levels of, of abstraction, but many of the same kind of architectural principles and, and fundamentals apply. But that being said, you know, again, my most recent role is in in services. I've been here for about, you know, five or plus years or so. That was really, a again, a big shift in in building kind of core technologies to applying technologies. And and one of the things um, that I that I kind of recognized as I started my 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 role in services is that every one of the clients we were working with were facing some form of hybrid cloud challenge, right? They were struggling with or dealing with the complexities of, of hybrid cloud in some form or fashion. And this is, you know, in many cases before, you know, we even emphasized or talked much about hybrid cloud as a, as a topic. Which is a good point, you know, and, and I want to get to that because we're, we're going to poke at what this means to our clients and kind of the role you play in that. But maybe you can also just lay out kind of what is your definition of hybrid cloud to begin with? Yeah, Sounds simple, doesn't it? And in fact, let me first start by recognizing that, you know, to be honest, people are, use terms quite um, loosely, right? Hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, and, and even, in fact, distributed cloud are often used somewhat 
synonymously. Now, that being said, I do believe actually hybrid cloud really has some important dimensions or characteristics that are important to understand, right? And and that is first and probably foremost, and probably the, the characteristic that is most uh, frequently used is, is one of location, right? So a cloud is on-prem or it's off-prem, you know, and now, in fact, um, increasingly the edge. That is a characterization that is often used. And in some cases, people kind of stop there. I think it actually also has to consider, you know, sharing, whether it's, you know, a cloud is dedicated or virtually isolated or shared. I think there is also a dimension of multiple clouds. And when we talk about multi-cloud or multiple clouds, I really think that that is a distinction of multiple providers or multiple business entities that are the providing services. But Often overlooked are the dimensions of application architectures and operating models and and different cloud platform abstractions. You know, moving from infrastructure as a service to platform as, as a service. So, so again, I think that that whether you call it hybrid cloud, multi-cloud, or distributed cloud, I think these are some of the f- important characteristics. These these six or seven characteristics that I mentioned in in really kind of appreciating and understanding um, some of the, the the space of hybrid cloud. And see, it's interesting you say that because I feel like that's a recurring theme as we're as we're having these conversations in this podcast is that typically we start out a hybrid cloud conversation simply about location. Is it on-prem? Is it off-prem? Does it live in a cloud? And if so, which one? But then we quickly get to a broader view of it that basically then says we cannot do that. We cannot limit ourselves to just location. We then have to talk into talk about application architectures, you know, processes, even application development processes, operational models and so forth. So there's it, it becomes a much broader thing once you start thinking about it. One of the things that we start to see as you know our clients are on this transformation journey is we start to to really recognize and appreciate some of the the reasons why they're transforming, why they're on this journey. And you know I think people like you and I, you know, that work on this technology for a living, we actually think it's because the technology is really quite superior, right? We describe its merits and its its characteristics in in how it's built and how it's developed and how it's architected. But to be quite honest, actually, the enterprise is on this journey driven by the business. They're needing to move faster, they're needing to move more nimbly. They're needing to provide new channels to their clients. They're needing, you know, new revenue streams. And I, and I kind of mention this because, you know, nearly everything that the client is doing is in the context of their business. So it becomes important to help guide a transformation in the context of what the business needs and what the business is looking for. Isn't there also a lot of peer pressure where they're saying we need to go to the cloud because everyone else is doing it too? There is, and actually, and in fact, we see a couple of different patterns, right? We see a couple of different um, motions that clients are taking, right? They're migrating existing workloads. They're, you know, kind of a land and expand. They're modernizing applications, you know, either where they are or in a public cloud. They're in many cases actually building kind of new services or extensions to applications in the cloud. But the reality is, is sometimes they're pressured to the point where they start to look for the one size fits all, right? They're looking for 
lifting and shifting everything to the cloud. I think we all realized that that lifting and shifting everything to the cloud to save costs didn't work, right? They're looking in many cases, you know, I see clients wanting to achieve the benefits of this new platform of containers and Kubernetes. And they're making a lot of, you know, what they believe are modernization steps that really are just simply kind of moving everything to containers in, in to be quite, a, quite honest, in irresponsible fashion. So what we really recognize is that this peer pressure, as you describe it, but also the needs of the business, we need to help with a responsible journey out and, and, and knowing when and where and how to apply these, these different approaches to move, if you will, and to transform toward the cloud. And I suppose it's a it's a role you play in kind of guiding them along this journey, right? And I'm I'm saying that because you know, I can remember discussions that we've had years ago where a team would say, we're going to be running 90% of our applications in containers in the next three years, and then life will be good. And that will take care of all of our problems. And I'm exaggerating here, right? But that there's, you know, there's no appreciation for, you know, what is the actual journey? And maybe, maybe it's a, it's a means to an end, so to speak, right? And, and so how, how do you approach that? And, and I think related to that question is, where are the typical clients that you talk to? Where are they on that map? Have they just started? Are they already along the way? Or can, can you quantify that? Well, so one of the things we do to, to really kind of help them is, you know, it, it does require detailed understanding of where they are and where they want to go. We kind of structure this with a with a kind of a simple framework. You know, we look at a couple of different uh, maturity levels, right? And we we try to keep this granular enough to be meaningful, but also abstract enough to avoid getting kind of lost in some of the the subtleties. And that is, you know, we look at a definition of traditional IT. You know, kind of up and down the stack. You know what? It, and and of course, we all probably understand what that looks like. It's what the world looks like today in the enterprise. We also try to make sure that. That there's an appreciation of the desired state, kind of the end state. A lot of times we we label that cloud native or in the context of a journey, a refactored state. And that's the target. That's where they, they all desire to go. And actually, in many cases, are able to achieve that in its fullest extent um, for, for new services and, and new applications. But then we look at a couple of steps, if you will, in between. Right. And I kind of characterize it as in between because we really do see it as a movement, right? It's, you know, there is no one step as well that, that will get you to the end game. It's like playing a, a sports of where you, you just need to keep moving it, you know, figuratively down the field. And, and those intermediate steps are one of what the industry often refers to as rehosted and replatformed, you know, rehosted really being kind of a movement, you know, in many cases, a, more of a lift and shift movement as a first step to then expand or modernize, if you will, in a cloud environment or replatformed, right? Where in fact, you're, you're actually changing some of the cloud abstraction, if you will. You're, you're moving from a predominantly VM-based or infrastructure as a service-based environment and, and, and abstraction to containers and Kubernetes or paths. The other really important part of this is, is actually, and of course, near and dear to a lot of the work we do in services is how you refactor operations, right? It's, it's more than just an application refactoring, it really is also an operational refactoring. Simply stated, this is the refactoring from traditional IT operations, kind of day two to dev or DevSecOps. So again, there's there, we start with, with this maturity level, a kind of a fair and honest assessment of 
where they are today across their, their application or business service portfolio, where they want to be and, and some of the natural steps that can be taken to get there. And again, it's, it, again, it's not an all or nothing, right? And, you know, some services you may actually simply retain in place because they aren't driving a business need or business priority. And in other cases, you may actually simply retire something in favor of replacing it, or in many cases, even rewriting it as a cloud native service. So you you mentioned a number of things that I actually want to revisit and poke on a little more. But I, in general, I agree with you is that I feel like sometimes this this whole journey to cloud is viewed as, and then in X number of years, I'm going to reach nirvana, right? But I think we all need to embrace the fact that change is constant, right? There was a, there's always going to be the next thing, right? So this journey to cloud is not the last IT thing we all are ever going to do you know and so i think it needs to be seen in that context and i I think that's what you said by saying we're moving the ball down the field right and that's kind of a never-ending thing i want to talk a bit more about you said operational obviously in the world of services you're right you know there's and i feel like this is probably not an easy business to be in right it's very competitive and so then how do you balance the need for being efficient in in the operational model and and the processes that you run with it but at the same time you know get to the degree of innovation that you need to be able to do this journey to cloud and introduce hybrid cloud and and the processes and architectures that come with that. Yeah, so this is this is really touching upon you know what I, I view as the topic of DevSecOps, right? And how we take traditional IT operations and infuse that into the development pipeline, if you will. And and what's interesting, you know, and also based on some of my personal experiences and background, right? Again, I mentioned I've spent a lot of time in software development. I've also spent quite a bit of time in infrastructure services team has historically been all about kind of operating client systems. In these traditional worlds and these traditional models, you know, dev and ops are two separate disciplines. Dev teams develop software and figuratively throw it over the wall for operations teams to manage day two. And so I kind of understand both of these perspectives and and backgrounds. And what's interesting is in this world of DevSecOps, one of the first things that needs to happen is developers need to learn and understand what it means to operate something at scale with high availability that performs well with the right level of, of security compliance. Operations teams need to learn a lot more about software. Right. And these two worlds come together and actually much of what was happening kind of day two shifts left into into the development pipeline. So so things like security compliance actually can be happening much more proactively than reactively. And, you know, of course, what I'm saying is all fairly textbook. But but the reality is that I I see a couple of patterns happening is is like many uh, trends or many terms. This term, you know, DevSecOps or even just DevOps by itself is often used by clients, but not fully realized by clients. And, you know, I I see patterns where development has become very efficient with the ability to continuously deliver software, but hasn't infused the operations aspects. I also see, you know, scenarios in which you know, operations is still a day two concern and and operations teams themselves aren't fully embracing a development approach and everything is code kind of approach. So, so, you know, this, this transformation of IT operations where everything is happening day two and shifting that left is, is such an, an important fundamental part of the solution uh, to realize the value, to realize the, the velocity, to realize the, the value of hybrid cloud. It just simply can't be overlooked. 
Yeah, I I agree with you. I feel like sometimes when people say DevOps, you know, there seems to be this implication. Then that means that every developer now also becomes an operational person. And and the problem is you cannot be the expert in everything, right? If I'm good at developing business logic, then that does that shouldn't require that I'm becoming an expert in networks, that I'm becoming an network an expert in, in security and compliance and so forth, right? So that's I think where the 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 desire to do DevSecOps is driving architectural changes even because you need stronger separation of concern. You need to have the ability to bring it all together, right? And that directly drives the need for increased automation and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, this kind of goes hand in hand with application architectures. And, and you know, and one of the things that, um, that certainly is at top of mind with most and often kind of the leading part of the conversation is application modernization or application refactoring. And, and in this case, you know, we kind of understand that this is very much supported by some of the technologies like containers and Kubernetes. But one of the things I find is, you know, and I found this, you know, in fact, throughout my entire career on, on many different large um, transfer, industry transformations like hybrid cloud, is that many of the developers and many of the technology people get enamored by how containers, how Kubernetes works, right? That's that's important. I don't want to underestimate the importance of that. But actually often equate a technology like containers and Kubernetes as, as a way in which to implement a set of architectural patterns with actually appreciating and realizing the architectural patterns themselves, right? And, and so, you know, when I think of cloud-native applications, I think of cloud-native architectural pattern where services are kind of loosely coupled and connected through APIs. And you've implemented a pattern of small deployable units that can scale, again, very much horizontally. And and this is actually a big part of the, the problem coupled with, you know, the way in which, which operations transforms with DevSecOps. And it really requires the two to come together to, to be fully realized. I, I all too often see this, I think, as you characterized it a few minutes ago, this desire to be pressured and to move fast putting applications into containers that that aren't cloud native kind of microservices based applications and expecting to see the same outcomes and benefits but but likewise you know I, I mentioned with DevSecOps and operations clients actually taking and implementing cloud native services but operating them in traditional structure, structures and people and process and also being somewhat disappointed with the outcomes they're, they're achieving so it really it doesn't require kind of a holistic pro to, to see the value that uh, we all know is, is important and possible. You know, I think that's an important point here because I, that's a conversation I actually have with a lot of customers is where they say, well, this piece of software is not cloud native and therefore it cannot be part of my cloud strategy going forward. And I'm thinking, well, first of all, that begs the question of what what is your definition of cloud native to begin with? But I guess you mentioned some of the things that we say, you know, microservices, decomposition into individual atomic pieces, autonomous pieces, maybe strict separation of stateful from stateless components and things like that, and and being able to scale and be resilient and, and all those things, right? So the question though is, and I feel like years ago, I was I, we were talking to companies who were basically saying, well, here's um, 70% of my application landscape. It's not cloud native. Therefore, we're just going to leave it alone, maybe lift and shift it, but that's all we're going to do. And we're going to really focus all of our energy and attention on this new world and this new style of creating applications. 
applications, only to then realize that that doesn't work because it's simply not efficient, because it's simply them spending too much money on keeping all these, quote, old things around, right? So that ultimately, you need to take a more holistic look. But having having said all that, I, I guess you were just commenting, and I, I wonder if you could clarify that in terms of what do I do with these old applications, and now I want to transform? What does that actually mean? How do I take an application that is not cloud native and make it cloud native? Well, you know, and again, it, this is a journey and this can involve multiple steps. And and in fact, one of the kind of the emerging technologies that I've started to spend some time uh, looking at and, and appreciating is a technology that allows allows you to take and run virtual machines in a container environment and manage and operate them using Kubernetes, right? And and, and I don't want to oversell or overpromise this, but what fascinates me about this and, and some of the hypothesis I have around technologies like this is this this can be a stepping stone, right? This can this can take and offer an opportunity to first possibly transform some of the operational aspects to be more cloud native using the constructs of Kubernetes and approaches like operators that we see in OpenShift and apply those to, to a virtual machine image that possibly has not been modernized or isn't easily modernized, right? So taking a first step to do some level of operational optimization but it also seems to be quite compelling with respect to this ability to take and bring components closer together that may need to work together. So, so you may actually, part of evolving or modernizing an existing application state may actually include extending or developing new capabilities as microservices, kind of surrounding a larger, more traditional uh, monolithic application. Probably too early to tell for sure, but there may actually be benefit in being able to manage them together on the same set of abstractions. I say the same set of abstractions, the same set of storage network kind of abstractions that both container-based microservices and some of the virtual machine components that may yet to be you know, refactored or replaced. Yeah, I agree. What what definitely helps with this is to have kind of a, a common and consistent abstraction model that Kubernetes gives us, right? Including elements of software-defined storage, software-defined networking, basically having everything software-defined and having, like I said, a consistent abstraction model re- really helps with that, which actually gets me to another point I wanted to ask you about. We talked a lot about applications and application architecture. Now, where do these applications live? I mean, what's the environment that they live in? And what I'm getting towards is how much, what what role do you think the platform plays in all this? I think the application can live in in many places, right? And you know, and this, by the way, gets back to the point of kind of location and sharing, um, and some of these characteristics I mentioned in this definition around hybrid cloud. And you know, so I do believe that in many cases there is a, a desire or intention to kind of keep things together in the same quote unquote cloud or cloud environment. I think the reality is is that as applications are being transformed, there being distributed across multiple cloud environments, whether it's fully appreciated or not. It may be actually in the services they consume. It may be in the services that they're extended with. And there's, of course, integration across them and and interaction across them. But it really is this, you know, this notion of kind of this net new platform that Kubernetes provides that gives us this platform abstraction across the different public, private, shared, dedicated, on-prem, off-prem, edge locations that provide that 
at, at a platform level. I also, by the way, believe that there's an important abstraction that's necessary from a hybrid context in operations or, or management as well. All right. As we're approaching the end of this episode, there's always one question that I like to ask, and that is kind of as you as you go to work in the morning, what gets you excited? You know, what gets you up in the morning? Is there something like a technology or a project or kind of what what is it that makes it fun for you to go to work every day? Well, so what makes it fun, this hybrid cloud space is rich with problems to solve, both client problems to solve as well as technology problems to solve. And actually, it is this entire overall domain helping clients navigate through this, but also kind of appreciating it and respecting where these platforms and technologies are going themselves. The one area that I do actually spend quite a bit of time on and what keeps me kind of motivated is some of the work that I've been doing around a hybrid management control plane that brings a unification across these environments from an operational perspective, the way in which services are consumed and governed and operated. But that's actually just one of many areas and one of many problem spaces. At the end of the day, I think like many of us in the technology area, it's the interesting problems to be solved and the, and the interesting solutions, by the way, that are being developed at a very high rate and pace. All right. Very cool. Well, that leaves me just with thanking you for coming, Mike. That was a great conversation. Well, thanks for, for having me. And I, I've really enjoyed, uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. All right. Great. So that wraps up today's episode. I want to thank you all for listening in and hope to see you all soon.